0: Chapter 22 of Peggy Raymond's Way, or Blossom Time at Friendly Terrace, by Harriet Loomis Smith. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Peggy Raymond's Way, or Blossom Time at Friendly Terrace, by Harriet Loomis Smith. CHAPTER Twenty Two, A JULY WEDDING Peggy's brother Dick had parodied an old rhyme to fit the occasion and sang it with gusto, in season and out of season. It was Dick's voice, caroling in a high falsetto and breaking ludicrously on an average of once a line, that woke Peggy on the most eventful morning of her life. A wedding day in May is worth a load of hay. A wedding set for June is worth a silver spoon. A wedding in July isn't worth a fly. Peggy winked hard and sat up in bed, turning instantly toward the east windows. Oh, she cried joyously. What a glorious day! And so indeed it was. Apparently the weatherman had carefully selected whatever was the best in all the year, and combined his selections into one perfect day in honour of Peggy's wedding. There had been a little rain the night before, and the air was as sweet as if perfumed by June's roses. There was a freshness that suggested early spring, and something in the breeze as exhilarating as October. Peggy reflected complacently that this was just her luck. She wondered, as she dressed, what she was to do with herself between the hours of eight and six. Her trunk was packed for going away, and the other trunks were ready except for a few articles to be added at the last minute. She had acknowledged every gift she had received, the dressmaker was through with her, and the wedding dress was hanging in Peggy's closet, with a sheet draped over it that no one speck of dust should mar its immaculate whiteness. Peggy decided that her wedding day was to be characterized by elegant leisure. Of course, this expectation was not realized. To begin with, there were more presents there came by parcels post and by express delivery men handed them over as nonchalantly as if they had been ordinary purchases others came by special messengers who grinned knowingly when peggy signed for them breakfast was hardly over when it was necessary to send for graham that he might assist in opening the packages but graham was not as satisfactory in opening package as a number of other people priscilla and amy for instance If Peggy cried, isn't that beautiful, he always looked straight at her as he said, yes. And then it was necessary to remind him that he was supposed to be admiring a piece of silverware or glass. Peggy always said, how beautiful, when a package was opened. And then if the article were something she really wanted, she would add, isn't it lucky, Graham, that someone thought of that? I don't see how we could have kept house without it. And if it were something quite unsuitable, she would cry, How kind everybody is! I never saw anything like it! The present from Peggy's college class came the morning of the wedding day, when it was practically certain that no one was to be married in advance of Peggy. It was a very attractive silver vase, with the class motto engraved about its base. Peggy's delight was marred by one characteristic reflection. I have so many things! It's almost a pity this didn't go to some girl whose friends weren't so generous. Anyone could have had it, Graham reminded her, who was ready to take the risk. This is in recognition of your courage, like the Victoria Cross. Of course, the wedding presents were not going to South America, but were to be stored against the young people's return. Don't you hate to go away and leave all these lovely things, Graham? Peggy asked, stroking the gleaming sides of a copper bowl as if it had been a kitten. And then, with her usual happy faculty of seeing the bright side, she added, But think of coming home and finding them waiting for us. Why, it'll be like getting married all over again. Wedding presents, however, were not to occupy Peggy's thoughts to the exclusion of other matters. All sorts of affectionate messages kept coming, special deliveries, telegrams, telephone calls. A girl like Peggy, who for twenty-one years and over has been helping to make the world a happier place is likely to be surprised when she comes to count up her friends elaine marshall who had moved from the city and now lived with her married sister came down for the day i couldn't stand it not to be at your wedding peggy she declared and lucy haines walked in about noon looking so radiant that peggy at once suspected an especial reason there was a little pearl ring on the third finger of Lucy's left hand that Peggy had never seen before. Lucy blushed when she saw Peggy's contemplative gaze, focused on it. Yes, Peggy, it's, it's Jerry, owned Lucy, looking so proud and happy that she did not seem even distantly related to the disheartening girl who had once thought it was no use trying. He's grown into such a splendid fellow. Everybody says I'm so lucky. And Peggy, if it hadn't been for the summer you spent at Doolittle Cottage, it's not likely that either of us would ever have amounted to anything. Mary Donaldson called up to say that she was coming to the wedding. Her father and cousin had promised to carry her downstairs, and they were going early so she could be in her place before anyone else arrived. I don't believe you are a bit more excited than I am, Peggy, Mary laughed. And another surprise was when Uncle Philander and his wife drove into town, with a bushel or two of flowers piled about them in the buggy. "'They're not such awful stylish flowers,' beamed Aunt Phoebe. "'Of course there's a few roses, but most of our bushes bloomed themselves, most to death in June, and haven't done much since. The rest are just everyday posies, so to speak, but they'll make little bright spots around the house, and anyway you can't have too many flowers at a wedding.' At four o'clock the bridesmaids went home to dress the mother of the flower girl pounced on her and carried her upstairs peggy dear said mrs raymond warningly just a minute mother i want to tell graham something peggy led her lover into a corner and whispered in his ear don't you want to come back and get a glimpse of me after i'm dressed well rather because you know if you don't like me dimpled peggy it's not too late to change your mind She was inclined to be reproachful when Graham caught her in his arms and kissed her before everybody, but Graham insisted it was her own fault, and on reflection Peggy decided he was right. At six o'clock the little church was well filled. In spite of Graham's teasing, Peggy's humble friends could hardly be distinguished from their so-called betters. Hildegard Carey, slender and elegant, sat in the pew behind Elvira Bond and noticed nothing peculiar except that Elvira blew her nose oftener and with more emphasis than is customary on such occasions it was either that or weep and Alvarva chose the least of the two evils as for jimmy dunn with his purple necktie and a large scarf-pin that resembled a diamond he was fairly resplendent the march pealed out and the people rose up the aisle came the bridesmaids walking very slowly the little flower-girl All smiles seemed as unconscious as if weddings were an old story in her experience. And then came Peggy on her father's arm, and Elvira Bond was not the only one whose eyes brimmed over as she passed. A great deal can happen in five minutes. The organ peeled out again, and now Peggy was Mrs. Graham Wiley. She put her hand on her husband's arm and smiled up into his face. Peggy's own sunny smile, she had promised for better or for worse, but in her heart of hearts she was confident that the future held only good for the two of them. And, as Graham was equally positive on that score, they went down the aisle with illumined faces. Only a few besides the two families came to the house from the church. These, with the out-of-town guests like Elaine and Lucy, and the wedding party filled the cozy little house to overflowing— Mary Donaldson sat in a corner, radiant, and since she could not cross the room to kiss the bride, the bride crossed to kiss her. It was after the chicken salad had been disposed of, and they were passing the ice cream that Peggy's attention focused itself on her new friend, Mr. Kennedy. He stood by himself for the moment, and his face was rather grave for a young man, a guest at a wedding. But as he caught her eye, he smiled resolutely and came over to her. "'I'm sorry you're going away, Mrs. Wiley, just as I met you. "'It doesn't seem fair.' "'I'm sorry, too,' said Peggy. "'If we'd only known that night at the Green Parrot "'that you were a friend of Graham's, "'it would have simplified matters so much.' "'Mr. Kennedy's face again lost its smile. "'He turned and looked the company over. "'Your friend Hitchcock isn't here tonight, is he?' "'Peggy was delighted.' she had been wishing for a chance to bring horace into the conversation and here mr kennedy had done it himself when again the young man looked at her he was almost startled by the radiant mischief of her face horace hitchcock here oh dear no i can't think of anybody i'd be less likely to ask to my wedding that's one point evidently on which you and miss combs are not in agreement peggy pondered priscilla might ask him to her wedding i don't know but it's certain he didn't ask her to his. Young Mr. Kennedy's start was unmistakable. You don't mean he's married? Yes, indeed. There was quite an account of it in the papers. But if you didn't know his name, you wouldn't remember. No, I wouldn't remember, agreed Mr. Kennedy. All at once he was beaming. I shall be glad when the next two years are up, Mrs. Wiley, he cried boyishly i have a hunch that you and i are going to be great friends a moment later he joined priscilla and from that time on followed her about like her shadow and the observant peggy smiled approval she was not in the least discomfited by graham's reference to high explosives the most dangerous things in the world in her estimation were misunderstandings at ten o'clock the bride went upstairs to change to her little going-away suit with the Eton jacket that made her look hardly older than the peggy raymond who entered college and then the good-byes began we'll be back in a few days said peggy as she kissed each one but even that assurance failed to give comfort for though peggy and graham were coming back for twenty-four hours they were to sail on the sixth peggy's friends returned her smiles bravely but there was hardly one who did not struggle to keep back the tears They crowded out on the porch to see her go. Someone hurled an old shoe as the taxicab glided away. Peggy leaned from the window to wave her hand, and then the darkness swallowed her up. Amy, Ruth, and Priscilla stood side by side. The tears were running down Ruth's cheeks, and Priscilla's eyes were wet. Amy had forced herself to smile during Peggy's protracted leave-taking, and the smile persisted, though it had become a grimace. Is this place called Friendly Terrace? Amy demanded tragically. Or is it the... the dismal swamp? Or the desert of Sahara, suggested Priscilla, a quaver in her voice showing that the suggestion was not altogether a joke. Girls! For a moment Ruth struggled with a sob, but she conquered it and went on resolutely. I don't know who named Friendly Terrace, but I do know it was Peggy who made the name fit. And we've got to keep it up we can't let it become like other little streets where nobody cares for his neighbor we've got to show that peggy meant to us by 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 keeping the home fires burning interpolated amy and ruth nodded as if the familiar phrase said all she had wished to say as the others crowded indoors declaring after immemorial fashion that there had never been a prettier wedding nor a lovelier bride Peggy's three friends stood side by side, Ruth's hand was fast in Amy's, and Amy's arm was about Priscilla's waist, and while none of them spoke, each of them in her heart was silently pledging herself to keep friendly terrace what Peggy had made it. The End The End of Chapter 22 And the End of Peggy Raymond's Way, or Blossom Time at Friendly Terrace by Harriet Lemus Smith Read by Darrell War